Last week, we kicked off our summer sermon series called General Admission. Um, Ron kicked it off with the movie McFarland USA, and he did a great job um, really talking to us about finding our significance, and we all have it. We're all made for something, and, and what do we find our significance and our purpose in life in? Today, we're going to wrestle with a different question with the movie The Giver. Now, I know you guys, I can't see your hands in Robinson and Washington and Wilkinsburg and online, but how many of you have either read the book or saw the movie The Giver? Okay, so a decent amount. I think you all agree with me. It is a weird movie, <laughs> right? It is a weird movie. And I give all the credit to this uh, for Maria Stockman, who is on our staff and uh, attends at our Wilkinsburg campus. This is all her fault. And um, hopefully God will redeem this choice of movie uh, that we're going to spend looking at this morning. Um, but, but, um, the Giver, just real quick, is, is kind of a, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic movie where they've kind of said, pressed a reset button and saying, you know what, all the stuff that used to happen in the past is bad. We're going to set up some new communities and we're going to um, um, start over and put some rules in place that if everyone follows these rules, everything will just be okay. That's the tenant of the movie that we'll see um, pulled throughout. Now, this is a PG-13 movie, um, and I am going to use one clip here that has a war scene in it. It's not very graphic, but I just wanted to warn you, if you have young kids and you're a little sensitive to that, um, we have an amazing children's ministry here. Um, if you um, go out the back door, somebody will help you be able to um, check your kids and if, uh, if there's any concern about that. And you can do that as I'm going to pray for us right now to open up our service together and ask God to guide us. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. And Father, just, the, just your patience with us at times. And uh, Father, we just um, thank you for loving us the way that we are. And uh, Father, as we wrestle with finding truth through this movie illustration today, I, I, I know that there are people that have come in here from the best weeks of their lives and some people from the worst of their um, worst experiences of the recent past and are struggling with significant things. And we just ask you to use this message today, Father, to, to, to impact people, to change their lives, Father, for you to get their attention. And we just, um, we just lift this service up to you, and we look to your son Jesus to lead us this morning. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. After the ruin, we started over, creating a new society, one of true equality. Rules were the building blocks of that equality. We learned them as new children. Rules like use precise language, wear your assigned clothing, take your morning medication, injected, obey the curfew, never lie. There was no popular, no fame, no losers and no winners. Our elders had eliminated all of that so there'd be no conflict between us. Fear, pain, envy, hate. They weren't words so much as sounds. Their echoes were gone to the other side of history. So in existence, without fear, without pain, without envy, without hate, where there's no winners, there's no losers. For some of us, 
For many of us, that sounds like a pretty appealing thing right now. When we look at what's going on in our lives with our financial situation, with our job situation, with our family situation, when we look at what's going on in the world today, we'd love to just to kind of press the reset button, forget all the hurt and the pain and the disappointment of the past and just start out fresh, start out new, put some rules in place so we can all operate off the same page, the same guidelines and set ourselves up so we can get rid of all the painful, th painful things that cause us hurt and disappointment. So to be able to ensure this pleasantness in our lives, we'd have to eliminate all of our differences so that there wouldn't be any reason to envy or to covet. We'd put some rules in place so that everyone would be able to, to, to follow them so we'd eliminate the conflict. We would put a precise language in place so there would be no opportunity for anybody to misunderstand us. We would give trophies to everybody so there wasn't any winners or losers. Well, I guess we do that already, don't we? <laughs> but is that really what we want? Is that really what God wants? A life with no ups or downs, highs or lows? And this is the question that we are going to wrestle with today with the giver. As we saw in that opening, is, is set in this, this community, they've eliminated all the memories of the past and put rules in place to make sure everything worked exactly the way that they wanted to. The only exception to this was a person called the giver. He is the one that knew all the memories and experiences of life past, of what life used to be like, the life that we live today. And the reason that he was able to understand these things, that he would use these experiences and use the memories to help the elders guide and to govern this new community. And at the core of this movie, the giver is working with a young man named Jonas because Jonas was chosen to be the next giver. He would be the one that would help the, the elders govern once the, the existing giver, um, his time was up. And this training that he would go through, would, he would receive memories of the past slowly and surely over time and allow him to experience life the way that we see it today. So let's take a look at this first interaction between Jonas and the giver. You mean how? It happened. But it's impossible. Yet it happened. Well, why? Why don't we have the, that thing? Come on. The, the memories they give you the word. It's not a thing. It's sled. Sled. And the snow. Snow. Did my parents have them? Did you? No, no. It's a very distant memory. Simply stated, there is no snow because of climate control. But why don't people know about them? 
I mean, what's so dangerous about the memory of a sled? What's so dangerous? Hmm. For a sled, you need snow. Snow is cold. Cold destroys crops, which meant farmers couldn't farm. Unpredictable weather, hills, mountains, made it difficult to transport food. And we had hunger, starvation, famine. Everything is connected. Everything is a balance. What's good, there is always bad. The two... Show me more. Let's go for a walk. In this first training session, Jonas gains insight into his role as the next giver. He also gains insight into why the elders decided to do what they did, which was basically remove the memory of anything which could potentially lead to anything bad. In this interaction, we see that they removed the memory of a sled because a sled would need snow, and with snow comes cold, and with cold comes damaged crops and dead crops, and with dead crops comes famine. So, so we don't have famine, let's remove the memory of the sled. Weird, isn't it? But how many of you remember prayer in school? Hmm? That would never happen in our world, would it? Let's remove the memory of gender-specific bathrooms because you would need to identify as a male or female. And if you identified as a male or female, you'd have to be placed in a group. And there may be a time where you don't want to be in your group and you want to be in the other group and use the other restroom and somebody may not let you. And if you don't let them, they're going to sue you and no one wants to be sued. So let's remove the memory of gender-specific bathrooms. That's the craziness that the world tells us today. That somehow being labeled a male or female is at the root of some of the issues that we have in society. But this is the lie that society feeds us today. Think about the most recent headlines. Guns. If we were only to get rid of guns, we would end all the senseless violence against police officers. If, if we build a wall around our country to stop the illegal aliens, we would be better protected. Or if somehow we defeated ISIS, peace in the world would reign. But just for a moment, let's use our memories since they haven't been erased yet. Remember the Nazis? Remember the bombing of Pearl Harbor? The Cambodian genocide? You see guns, illegal aliens, ISIS, gender-specific bathrooms, prayer in school. That's not the source of our issue today. But what is? I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Now, after Jonas really starts to understand the reasoning behind what the elders have done and why they're doing what they're doing, he now starts to receive his first memories to experience life the way that it used to be. And in his first clip, we're going to see that Jonas, for the first time, gets to see the beauty of the world. He gets to see a world that is colorful and alive, not the gray, lifeless world that he grew up knowing.
music. There's something else you can't see with your eyes. Something lives deep inside you. Something those morning injections take away. But I thought the injections are for our health. No, they remove something. What? Emotions. You mean like feelings? Feelings are just fleeting on the surface. But emotions, they're very deep, primal, they linger. Oh, Jonas, you might not understand where you are or what's happening, but don't think about what you're seeing. Listen. Listen to what's calling from inside. Laughing, smiling, enjoying one another. Jonas is realizing for the first time that they are made for something more than living a, a, a meaningless, shallow life following a set of rules. He's realizing that there's something more to life. There's something deep down inside of them. He's realizing that there's something more than what he has known. That he's not some pre-programmed robot designed to follow this if-then-else logic. And we see at the end of that clip, he's wondering why in the world would the elders get rid of a life with meaning and purpose and emotion. And the most meaningful of which is love. And at the wedding, everyone all together laughing and dancing. The old with the young, the bride and the groom, there was something there. But different to what we have. Yes. We don't have that anymore. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm talking about what you feel for someone else. And the mind can't explain it, and you, you can't make it go away. What is it? Love. It's called love. Love. So love. Loving one another. The deepest of all emotions that we know was stripped from them. But Jonas saw it in the faces as those people danced and laughed. He saw the happiness. He saw the joy. He saw the laughter. He saw the intimacy. He saw it on their face and it was love and he liked what he saw. But as we know, 
Jonas was soon to realize that there's an ugly side of this world as well. I didn't mean for you to receive that. Not for years. Don't, don't let this turn you away. I'm not strong enough. Of course not yet. But Jonas, this is what we need to know so we can advise. I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. Jonas. 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 Come back. Please. So after receiving some of the best memories, Jonas received some of the worst. The ugly side of conflict, the ugly side of war, the ugly side of having differences. The side that the elders were trying to protect them from in the very beginning. See, we love the good side of things. Love and laughter and hope and faith. But we loathe the bad side of things. Death and pain and conflict and hurt. Because these things are the things that can stop us dead in our tracks at times. They, they, they suck the life out of us as, as we try to struggle to persevere through them. Wondering what good or, or what the plan is in the midst of the pain and the suffering. And many times at this time, we wonder if God even knows we exist, if God even cares about what we are going through. Some of us maybe even wonder at that time whether God is real at all. Well, some of us may wonder more if it's really worth it. You're already convinced that it's not worth it. That the, the, these blows that you take day after day or week after week, year after year, is just somehow part of some meaningless existence. That life is a cruel joke. And you have yourself convinced that life with lows in it is not a life worth living at all. And we'll see that in this dialogue between the chief elder and the giver in this scene. Her name was Rosemary. She was my daughter. I loved her. Precision of language. <laughs> Could not be more precise. Do you know what that's like? To love someone? I do. I've cried. I've felt your sorrow. I've sung, danced. I've felt real joy. Then you? should know better than anyone. 
You have seen children starve. You've seen people stand on each other's necks just for the view. You know what it feels like when men blow each other up yes. over a simple line I, I in the do. sand. I do, but and yet, you... and yet, you and Jonas want to open that door again. Bring all that back. If you could only see the possibility of love. Of love. With love, love comes faith, with comes hope. Love is just passion that can turn. It turns we, we into contempt and murder. We could choose better. <laughs> people are weak. People are selfish. When people have the freedom to choose, they choose wrong. What we see here between the chief elder and the giver, this dialogue, is the debate that rages on inside of many of our heads today. Is it really worth it? Are the highs and the good times really worth the struggle and the pain? For many of us, this is the day-to-day -day battle that we go through. On one hand, we feel that life and love is worth it because love gives us hope and faith. And with hope and faith, we can have the, the desire to, to choose better, to make better choices, to interact better with each other. And then there are the days on the other hand when we don't feel that it's worth it. The days when we feel weak and selfish Tired of blowing each other up. Tired of stepping all over each other. Tired of our own failures. Seemingly choosing wrong every single time. And as this goes on inside of our heads, we wonder, is this really all worth it? Are the good times worth the bad? Is experiencing love worth the price of knowing loss? And this is the same question that Jonas was left to answer as he learned more about life. Loss and pain, music, joy, the raw, impossible, beautiful feeling of love. Your son, you felt that. That's enough. We are living a life of shadows, of echoes, of faint, distant whispers of what once made us real. Excuse me for one second, Fiona. Uh, we must continue.
wish I had been there when the memories returned. They were the truth. The elders and their rules were the lie. Here we see that Jonas figured a life without knowing the heights of loves and the depth of pain was no life at all. He figured that the hope and faith that came with living and loving was worth the price of knowing pain and of knowing sorrow. So he crossed that border and set the memories of the past free so that that community could experience life at its fullest. See, as Jonas found out, life is meant to be lived. Life is meant to love and to be loved. Life is meant to be experienced. If we don't experience the lows, then the highs have no point of reference. Without hurt, forgiveness is meaningless. Without rejection, love is not understood. And as the giver said at the end of the movie, he said, without love, without these things, we are just a distant whisper of what makes us real. See, there's more to us than just flesh and bones. There's more to us than simply living out an existence, waiting for our time to be up. We're here for a purpose. We're not here by accident. We're not here by some collision of planets or solar systems. We aren't robots. We are made with emotions. We are made with feelings. We are made with a conscience and a soul and a heart. And that's why we feel the heights of love. But it's also that very same heart is the same reason why we know the lows of pain and grief and sorrow. That same heart that soars the heights at the birth of a child is the same heart that is crushed to a thousand pieces when someone close to us dies or we see a child starving or we get a health report back that is unfavorable. See, for some, these lows, these heart-crushing defeats, they give us pause they stop us dead in our tracks. They make us question the very reason for living. And we wonder if the pain will ever end and if we're strong enough to, to persevere, to push through it. And we wonder, where is God? And does God even care? We think that if God was all-powerful and all-loving, how could he let these bad things happen to us? If God is all-powerful and all-loving, then why are there people starving in the world? If God is all-loving and God is all-powerful, then why are innocent people dying of random attack on people? If God is a God of love, why am I stuck in his lousy marriage? If God is a God of love and God is all-powerful, then why do I have cancer? If God is all-powerful and God is a God of love, why am I Fill in the blank of my circumstance. And some of us even wonder if God is real at all. And if you find yourself in this spot today, I can tell you this. God is real. And God is a God of love. God made us for a purpose 
And that purpose is to be in relationship with him. And that relationship has love at the core and its foundation, not the rules that we see set in this movie. But know this, God doesn't force us into that relationship. What kind of love would that be? Instead, God gave us free will. The will to choose for ourselves. See, we don't live some robotic, disconnected life. One like the elders tried to create in that movie. Instead, God gave us a heart. He gave us feelings. He gave us emotions. So that we can understand at the core of our being the love that that relationship is based on. But as the tenant with this movie, God didn't intend for us to suffer. God is not the source of our suffering. Man's abuse of the free will that he gave us is the source of our suffering. And this all started in the Garden of Eden with the very first man and the very first woman, Adam and Eve where God created them out of nothing and set them in perfection in the Garden of Eden. Gave them everything that they needed and told them one thing. Do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they decided to disobey God. And at the first bite of that fruit, like poison entering the start of a stream as it contaminates everything downstream, Sin entered the human race at that time. And it has infected every human that's ever lived. That includes you and that includes me. Scripture puts it this way in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Our sin nature, which is inside of us, is the source of our issues our selfishness, our pride, our envy, our hatred, the way we use guns, the way we look at people that don't belong. That is the source of our issue. Our issue is sin. But remember, we said that God is a God of love. So God does love us. God made us to be in this relationship with him, but God is also just. And there's a penalty that comes with this sin. And scripture says that that penalty is death. Romans 6.23 puts it like this, for the penalty of our sin, wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death, we're all gonna die, but a spiritual death, an eternal separation from God, an eternal disruption of our relationship with the living God, the one who wants to love us and be in relationship with us. We find ourselves in this hopeless state because our abuse of free will. But like an earthly relationship that we have, we desire, because we're made to be in this relationship with God, we desire to try to fix it. So just like an earthly relationship, if we cheat on our spouse, if we lie to a friend, if we um, talk behind somebody's back, if we gossip, is, and we get caught, we, we, we want to make right what we did. 
So we may apologize. We may buy flowers. We may do nice things trying to restore this relationship, this damage that's been done to your relationship. Well, because we're wired to be in a relationship with God, we do the same thing with God. Right? We, 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 we know that we're wrong. We feel it in our soul, and we try to get into a better standing with God, hoping that our good outweighs our bad. And, and we'll do things like come to church, read our Bibles, we'll pray, we'll do nice things, we'll forgive others, we'll give of our time, we'll volunteer in upwards, we'll help the needy. But there's a problem with that. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 64, 6, that all of our righteous works are like filthy rags. That there's nothing that we can do that's good enough to fix this relationship with God. We can't go to church enough. We can't say I'm sorry enough. We can't give enough. We can't help enough. We can't say enough nice things. It all falls short of God's perfect standard. But remember, God created us to be in a relationship and that relationship is based on love. So in that love relationship, God wants to restore that relationship with us as much as we want to restore that relationship with him. And what we couldn't do for ourselves, God does for us. Romans chapter five, verse eight, that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, not after we got our act, our act cleaned up, not after we were better, not after I was baptized, not after I was confirmed, not after I did anything, that while I was still sinners, Christ died for us. What we could not do for ourselves, God did for us by sending his son Jesus to walk this earth, to live a sinless life, to die a death on that cross, and to be resurrected from the dead. He came to forgive us of our sins that we commit past, present, and future against the living God. And it's only in believing that truth that we can restore our relationship with the living God and look forward to eternity in heaven with him. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 puts it like this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might be saved. You don't have to wait until the end of your life to know whether you get into heaven or not. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth today that Jesus is Lord and came to die and pay a penalty for your sins today so you are forgiven, you know today that you were saved. Because that relationship is based on love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only one and begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And this relationship that's based on love, that produces fruit, produces hope, that produces perseverance, knowing of what life is yet to come. In Revelation 21, where there's no more tears and no more pain, that there's perfection living in the presence of God. That's how we get through the struggles and the stuff that we deal with day in and day out, whether it's our family, whether it's our job, whether it's our financial situations, our neighbors, our kids, 
our spouse. That's where the strength and the perseverance come through because we know God loves us that much. And he promises us a future in heaven where there's no more tears and no more pain. The apostle Paul writes it this way in Romans 8, 18. says, I consider that our current sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm asking you to go back to the foundation of that relationship and realize that it's based on love, that God has not forgotten you. God understands your circumstance. Jesus has walked in your shoes. He loves you and has not forsaken you. He will never will. There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. You were secure in a palm of your hand and he's given you everything that you need to persevere through whatever life circumstance that you are in today. No matter how difficult it may seem. And if you have not gotten to that place in your life where you've accepted the fact that God loves you that much, I'm going to challenge you to think about that. Because I can tell you, you aren't here today by mistake. God has you here for a purpose. He has you here to know and to learn that God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done yesterday, last week, or 10 years ago. God loves you. He's the one that's created you. And he stands ready to restore his relationship with you. Your choice. You have free will. The God of the universe, the God that's created everything, is standing there with his arms wide open saying, come to me. Because I love you. I gave up my son for you. I don't care what you've done. I accept you. But you have a choice. We have free will. And I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment to give you an opportunity to enter into that relationship with the living God right now. If you say this prayer, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's what's going on in your heart. It's God's movement in your heart and your life that is what saves you. So if you would just bow your head if you're in that place where you finally or at a point when you're tired of the emptiness of what's going on and you're searching for meaning and purpose in this life, I'm gonna ask you right now to say this prayer after me and trust Jesus as your personal savior. Father, I sit here this morning tired and empty and broken, if I'm honest, I have spent my whole life chasing after things that have led nothing to emptiness, money and positions and relationships and stuff. And I sit here with this emptiness inside of me that, 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 that because I, can't, I don't feel significant, I don't feel accepted, I don't feel empowered. And Father, for the first time I realize that that stuff is all empty. That the only thing 
that can do that is restoring my relationship with you. And in realizing that, Father, all I can do is say to you, I'm sorry for what I've done against you and your people. I'm sorry for putting things before you. And Father, today is a day that I give my life to you, that I want to enter into this eternal relationship with you. Please take the things that I've done. Thank you for forgiving me. And Father, I place my trust in your son, Jesus, is the only way to have a life of eternity with you in heaven because he's the one that paid the penalties for my sins past, present, and future. And all I can say is thank you. And I accept it. Lord, I don't know exactly what this all means right now. So I'm asking you to put people in my life that will help me through this. I'm asking you to guide me I'm asking you to protect me. And I look forward to what life has to offer with you. Thank you for loving me that much. It's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.